have your Bibles this morning, Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> I love this story. This is the end of 2023, <clears throat> but tomorrow is the beginning of a whole new year. And I want you to <clears throat> sort of catch a glimpse from this story of the surrender that the Lord Jesus is looking for from all of us. I, uh, <clears throat> about seven years ago, my wife died, um, childhood sweetheart. And um, she was very ill for many years <clears throat> in a wheelchair. And when she died, <clears throat> It was difficult to pastor alone. And I thought about retiring. And then uh, the Lord brought Janet to me. Uh, we knew each other 46 years ago. She was Jeremy's first babysitter. We hadn't spoken but one time in 46 years. I loved her husband. Rick. We'd play racquetball together. We served in our first church together. I was a senior high youth pastor. He was a junior high, and we had about 250 kids, and so we would uh, do our thing on Sunday, and we'd find a time and go play racquetball, and, and our wives would play racquetball for about five minutes, and they'd go sit down and watch us. And we just had a great time. He and I loved each of the Lord, and, and um, he pastored for 41 years, and the Lord took him home. Lord brought us together. And about 18 years ago, we were out of parking, and uh, our school was bumping up against the number it could have. So we started looking around for a piece of land. And quite frankly, the loss of my wife and this construction um, sort of got me to the point where I thought about retiring. But not anymore. Um, buildings are almost done. <clears throat> how many of you noticed the wall going up in the gym? Um, how many noticed the mud pit we got in the back? Okay. All right. If it ever stops raining, they're going to finish that. And I am so excited. And then uh, get my new buddy, and uh, it's time to time, time to charge. I'm ready to go. And I want us to go. And I want you to see this story. It's about a man that was a table waiter. Look, if you would, in your Bible, Acts chapter 6. I want you to notice this. He was a nobody, but he had a spiritual heart. He had a godly heart. Notice this, if you would. Chapter 6 and verse number 2. Then the Twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave tables, the word of God, and serve tables. So, let's find some table waiters. 
to wait on the widows of our church. Let's let, they fed the widows from time to time. It was a different era back then. And back then, uh, there were no jobs. And so uh, if you lost your husband, you just about starved to death. There wasn't much unless family took you in. And so the church would have some meals and say, uh, come on in, ladies. And if your uh, husband, you've lost your husband, you're a widow, come on in. We'll help. We'll take care of you. And that was sort of the church's responsibility in the early age. And um, uh, they needed people because the preachers, Peter, James, and John, people, those guys like that, uh, they were learning to study. And they were learning to preach God's Word, and they, they, they knew that Jesus was a, alive in heaven. They watched Him die. They, their heart sank. They watched Him alive when He stepped into the room when there were 11 of them there, and they could not believe He just showed up in the room. Uh, they, he pulled back His robe and said, put your finger here in my ribs, where, uh, my side, where they put the sword. Oh, look at my hands and feet, and no one had ever seen a living person with nail prints in their hand because they're all dead except for him. And they said, it's Jesus. And it so energized their life that they said, we've got a purpose in life now. We've got to make a difference. And so the Bible says in that first 25, 30 years, they turned the world upside down. And everybody heard who Jesus was. Now, everybody didn't trust him but they all knew who he was. And that's what I'd like for us to be able to do. Let's get the Word of God out wherever it, wherever it is and needs to go, however we can do it, whether it's a, a gospel track, whether it's a testimony, whether it's your life, whether it's the victory that's in your life that people look at you and say, there's something different about him. That's the light of the world. It's you. Let's make 2024 the greatest year of our lives. The year that we make a difference and start to change our world. Now, I can only do a little bit because I'm only one person. But all of us together, we can make a difference. Now, I want you to show, I want you to see this morning, one person make a little bit of difference. But it made a great difference. It, it changed countries. And you can make a difference. And you don't have to be somebody great. Notice, if you would, in verse number 3, Wherefore, look ye out, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, the first set of deacons. And they were table waiters. Their purpose was to serve the widows. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but that was their purpose. Notice, uh, in verse number 3, uh, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we have appointed over this business. Now today, our deacons do uh, would be willing to do that very thing, but uh, some of them handle the finances. Our treasurer does, and and uh, uh, when we get all this stuff done and built up, we'll, we'll go back to the way it was, where uh, the deacons would take a portion of the church, and they would uh, go visit those folks, and they would take care of them. If there's a need, they let me know, and I go by and visit with them. Uh, all be divide up the church and they have prayer for them. Uh, that's what deacons here are for. They would take care of the widows. Notice, if you would, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer to the ministry of the Word. Uh, we're going to study and preach and be prepared. And notice, if you would, verse 5, and the saying, please hold multitude, and they chose Stephen, the table waiter. And he died for preaching. He was so excited about the things of God it was so convicting to the religious leaders that were dead inside. Their church, their synagogues were dead. 
And the reason I know that is if you'll take your Bible and turn to chapter 8 and notice, if you would, in verse number 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go to the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So there's one man in the desert riding his chariot. And don't you notice what he had been doing? And he arose and went. We'll come back to that in a minute. And eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, he, he was the treasurer of a country. He was an important man. But he had heard about Jesus. And he went to Jerusalem to find out about it. And he went to a synagogue. And notice, if you would, he was returning and sitting. Verse number 27, the last phrase. And he had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He had come to meet the Lord Jesus. He had come to church in Jerusalem from his country. He had heard about this great God and he wanted to know who he was. Now, we've got that same great God, and we've got to make a difference and be a light so that people from around the world say, I want to go hear about this great God of Jesus Christ. Brother Alan Sutton and his family are here this morning. There are missionaries to Uganda, Africa. Uh, uh, they're leaving tonight to go back home, back to Africa. And there are representatives in Africa, but we're taking a missions trip at the end of the month to go down to uh, Bolivia, Brazil, uh, Peru, Colombia, the Amazon, and we've got a missionary down. We're going to try to help build a Bible college for him and, and because they need the gospel. Africa needs the gospel. South America needs the gospel. And there have got to be people that say, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll help. But, Pastor, i got a job. You can make it work, and I'll show you in a minute how. Notice, if you would, here's in verse number 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. Now, he was wealthy because he was able to afford a copy of the Scriptures. He had a copy of Isaiah. Even today in certain parts of the world, to have one page of Scripture is worth a year's crops. How many of you got a copy of God's Word at home, in your lap, in your car? You got a copy of God's Word. Raise your hand. You're rich. You're rich in two ways. Number one, you can afford a Bible of your own. And number two, you've got a copy of the greatest book on earth. The question is, what do we do with it? Notice, if you would, in verse 29, verse 28, he was reading Isaiah the prophet in verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, now, that's the part everybody here has got to be prepared for. The Spirit of God doesn't speak to people that have unclean hearts. You've got a little bit of filthy mouth, a little bit of a filthy mind. You think the wrong thoughts. You have a little bit of bitterness in your heart. You have a little bit of covetousness in your heart. Boy, I, I want this and I want that. And, and, and if we're not very careful, the Spirit won't speak to us. But you'll notice, keep in mind, Philip, if you have your Bible, turn back to Acts chapter 6 with me if you would. Notice Acts chapter 6. Look with me if you would in verse number 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and next man, Philip. That is why the Holy Spirit 
Keep in mind, they were both full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So when the Spirit needed somebody, he could speak to Stephen or Philip, and they would listen. That's what I want for all, by all of you in this room. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to your heart, and you say, yes, Lord, I'm here. Now, I want you to notice Philip had risen from being a table waiter. I don't know who helped out. Maybe the other five. Uh, there were seven of them, but Stephen was out preaching and got stoned for it. And Philip is out preaching. If you'll notice in chapter 8, uh, look me if you would. Philip is out preaching. Look in verse number 5. In verse number 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So Philip is an evangelist, a citywide evangelist, and he's preaching away. You may say, Pastor, well, that's not me. It doesn't have to be you. But remember, he was a table waiter. He served widows. You've got to be willing to do whatever God touches your heart to. How many of you signed up for Helping Hands Ministry? Let me see your hand. Helping Hands. Well, you know what that is? That's fixing food stuff for this funeral. That's fixing food stuff for someone that that is gotten home from the hospital and is struggling. It's just being a blessing by cooking a meal. Now, a lot more people here can do that than just a few that signed up for helping hands. We can all have helping hands. And so that when a time comes time to say, look, who could do this? Yes, me, me, me. Why? Because the Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, look, I'll do it. I'll do it. So you got Stephen, who's a table waiter. He said, I need somebody to speak to the uh, religious leaders. Me, me, me. He got killed for it. But he, on his knees, he said, Lord, don't lay this sin of them stoning me to their charge. Lord, forgive them. And that had an effect on a guy holding the clothes of those that stoned him. He said so. His name was Saul. Stephen was that first one that he said, what's he got that I don't? If it's me, I'm going to pick up a couple rocks and throw them back. He said, Father, forgive them. Who does that? As he's holding their coats. So when Jesus came to him in Acts chapter 9, he said, who art thou, Lord? What's your name? I know what you can do. I saw it. I saw Stephen die. And then you got Philip. Philip goes. And Philip, the, Lord's, the Spirit says, hey, Philip, I need you to go to Samaria and preach. Now, anybody know anything about Samaria? Can you tell me one thing about Samaria? The Samaritans? Anybody can tell me one thing about Samaritans? Okay, I've got a very highly educated young man right here. Peter, what about the Samaritans? You remember? People didn't like them because they were half Jew and half Gentile. So nobody liked them. Ever heard of prejudice? That was him. The Jews are very prejudiced. But you know what happened? I love this part. Philip, you're a table waiter. A Jewish table waiter. I need you to go to the desert. I need you to go to Samaria and preach. He went to Samaria, the whole city of half people, half Jew and half, half Gentile. And he preached the gospel, and there was a city-wide revival. And things are going on, and man, it's going great, and he's excited about it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, Philip, I want you to go to the desert. Now, if that had been you and me, we would have said, why the desert? 
Lord, there's nobody there. Now, between you and me, if I had my choice, I would go to Texas, West Texas, and buy as much land as I could get and ranch cattle and horses. That's what I do. And hunt, fish, and leave people alone. People hurt your feelings. People do dumb things and need help. But you know what? That's all of us. You know what preachers are for? They're shepherds. They're to care about people. So I can't go to West Texas. No people there. I don't want to shepherd cattle. So forget that part. Now, Lord, what are you going to do? I want you to go to Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia? I didn't know that was a place. And I came up here and I said, oh, my goodness, all these government workers? I couldn't even ask them what they did. I remember the first time I came, I said, hey, what do you do for a living? Stone face. I work for the government. Stone face doing what? Well, that didn't go over well. You know what he said? I can't tell you. I'd never met a man that couldn't tell me what he did for a living. I'm from Texas, and everybody told everything about your whole life. I mean, you just talk to people. You like to talk to people. And he wouldn't answer me. It was a long time before he answered me. He worked for the CIA. I'd heard about that place, but I didn't know there were real people there. I said, wow. And I had then another guy said, hey, Pastor, would you like to go down with me and, and, and see the White House? I, I, I'm, I'm the FBI. Really? Wow. And it dawned on me, CIA and FBI and NASA and all the other three-letter things, they all have a soul. And the Lord's got a sense of humor. He asked me to come here and try to reach some of them. That doesn't make any sense to me. I like cows and horses. Philip, I need you to go to the desert. That doesn't make any sense to me. But you know what his heart was? Look at the next verse. Verse number 27. And he arose and went. No questions. He just got up and said, I'll go. Hey, hey we, need, we need 15 guys going on a mission trip. I'll do it. Oh, what am I going to be doing? I don't know. You might be digging a hole. I don't know. You might be carrying blocks. I don't know. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You got a table waiter that said, Lord, I'm all yours. And the Lord says, go to Samaria. I know they're half Jew. I know they're half, uh, uh, they're half Gentile. And I know nobody likes them, but I do. And I want you to go preach to them. He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Forget that anybody would look down on me in my Jewish community. I'll go do it. You see, God doesn't see color. He doesn't see height. He doesn't see weight. He doesn't see brilliance. He doesn't see money. He sees a soul. And that's what everybody in this room has, a soul. And God loves you. And I'll tell you, he loves you so much. Here's a rich treasurer of a foreign land that, according to the Jews, nobody should care about. And the Lord said, Philip. I want you to go to the desert. 
I got one guy out there. And so Philip arose and went. And he's reading. Now notice if you would turn your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 8. And notice he says in verse number, verse number 29. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip, notice what he said. He said, Lord, he's a long way off. Ah, Lord, do I have to, do I have to really run? Notice, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And notice what his response was. How can I except some man should guide me? I, I can't understand it. There's a lot of people in your neighborhood, there's a lot of people at your work that could read the Word of God and not really understand it. They need somebody that will show them the Scriptures. And you know the way you do that? You live right in front of them. You tell the truth when others don't. You work hard when others don't. You get there early when others don't. You stay a little bit later when others don't. You do your best to represent Jesus Christ. You serve Him and Him alone. And you love Him and you love Him most of all. And so everything in your life is about Him. That was the way it was with Philip. That's the way it was with Stephen. That was the way it was with Paul. And they turned the world upside down. We've got to go back to having some people that say, Lord, me. I'll do whatever you want so the Holy Spirit can touch your heart. That means you're clean. You don't think the wrong thoughts. You don't try to pay people back. You don't have the wrong language. You, 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 you love your wife. You love your husband. You love your children. Your children, you love your parents. You love the Lord. You're a light. And oh, I notice here, I, I, I like this, uh, the Enoch was searching for the truth. And Philip was serving God faithfully, and Philip was studied up. He was ready to go. Uh, if I looked at you guys and said, okay, uh, let me ask you, Genesis 12.1, uh, could you come up here and explain that to me, please? I, I don't understand that fully. Notice what happens in verse 31. And he read, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Wait a minute, I'm not finished with my college yet. Well, wait just a minute. I, I, I haven't finished Joshua Club yet. Notice what he said. And the place of the Scripture, what he's read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53. And notice what happens next. This is cool. Notice what happens next. And in his humili humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered in Philip. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or some other man? And verse 35, and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's what everybody in this room should be able to do. I don't care if you work for the CIA or the FBI or the public schools or the Christian school or you're a plumber or you're an electrician or you are a garbage collector or you're a preacher. You all ought to, all of us should be able to take God's Word and start someplace and say, let me explain to you that Jesus Christ loves you and He died to save you and He wants to save you. Would you be willing to listen? And I'll explain to you how you can know you can go to heaven. Did you know most Christians can't do that? They got saved. 
But they never really sat down and thought about it. Did you know in, 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 in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says to him, he says, I'm proud of you, Timothy, but I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Christians, we need to study. We need to be prepared. Housewives, you've got a little bit of time. Maybe you could, I know you've got a lot of things to do, but you could take a little time. Uh, how many of you work for the government and you get those uh, three-hour breaks, morning, noon, and night, or something like that? I think something like that, I don't know. And you get every Friday off or every third Friday off and every Monday off and every other Tuesday. And, and I don't know what it is, but you got, it's a great job. And you got a little extra time to read your Bible. What do we do with it? Are you prepared? Here's a man that was studied, and he started out as a table waiter. Do you understand this? Nobody in this room has finished learning about Jesus Christ until you're like Pat. You're standing with him in heaven. Or you're like Harper, Scott's dad. You never finish learning of the Lord. You learn about His goodness. You learn about His grace. You learn about His forgiveness. Uh, you learn how to share it with other people. You learn that He loves everybody you ever met. And he died to save them. And he needs you. He said, Philip, would you go in the desert? There's one guy down there that's searching. And I want you to go tell him about me. And he goes down there, and I can imagine uh, Philip the saying, well, Lord, I, I'm not really prepared. I, I don't really know. And he goes down there, and he opens up a copy of Isaiah. Did you know this? And studying this week, did you know, do you know, how many of you know what the Pentateuch is? Somebody tell me what the Pentateuch is. Anybody know what that is? First five books of the Bible. Do you know how much material is in the first five books of the Bible? It's like a tenth of your Bible. Did you know a Jewish boy by the age of 10 was trained in the early days to quote those five books? You know who taught him? Deuteronomy 6. His father. Read it. We need some fathers that are teaching their children the first five books and the last five books and all the books in the middle and teaching them how wonderful the Lord is. But you know what happens? We get busy. We got work to do. We got this thing. We got that job. We got this job. And our lives maybe are not quite as bright as they should be. I've got a flashlight. Somebody gave me a flashlight. I love this flashlight. Um, I can probably stand out on the ball fields when we get them finished and land planes as they come over with these flashlights, you know. Right here. This flashlight's so cool, but you push the button, and, and it's got, it's about that big, and it puts it in my pocket. That's when I like it. You pull it out, you push the button, hold it down, and it comes on. 300 lumens. That's not very bright. And then you hold it down a little bit longer, and it goes to 1,000 lumens. Wow, wow, get a little bit brighter. And then it goes to 2,000 lumens. Then it goes 10,000 lumens. And then it goes to 30,000 lumens. And now, now you shine the wall. It's like, Wow. Where are those Christians? Wow. He's got something. So notice verse 36, and as he went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, is here water? What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, Nothing if you believe. He said, you can put your faith and trust in Christ. He'll save you, and then I can baptize you. And that's exactly what happened. And then the Lord called Philip and said, i got something else for you to do. The Lord never has enough table waiters. No matter what you do, 
Be available to serve the Lord. I don't know where and I don't know how, but the Holy Spirit's going to touch your heart because He needs 30 lumen lights. He needs 30,000 lumen lights that when you are around, people say, that's the most honest, kindest, gracious guy I've ever met. That's one of the hardest working men I've ever met. That's one of the hardest working ladies I've ever met. That's one of the sweetest ladies I've ever met. So you know what? As I get older, I'm constantly reminded, be kinder, be sweeter. How many of you know some older people are not kinder, not sweeter? Because what happens, we get older, I don't have to be. Well, I have to be. I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to see him one of these days. And I want him to say, well done, Dave Pittman. I'm proud of you. So my life's got to be different. And so I do struggle from time to time. And, 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 and I'm busy and i got this thing and that thing. And a child, I still won't forget. And I don't ever want to forget it. Uh, we were having shaking of hands, and I was running down. I was down here uh, trying to find a couple of adults over here shaking their hands, and a young man walked by. I'm not going to mention his name. He walked by, and he stuck out his hand. And my mind, I saw another person over there, and I looked at that young boy, and I said, well, I'll go over there and shake your hand. I need to talk to him. He, uh, that's just a kid, and the Lord just crushed my heart. And, and the verse jumps up in my mind. Don't prevent the little children from coming unto me. You wonder why I like to tell the children's story? It reminds me they're important to the Lord. You know, I like, uh, I like Christmas story so I can have all the children because they're important to the Lord, just like everybody else in this room. And I went back to that young man, and I said, look, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. I, I didn't shake your hand. I should have. It, it was no, it was no, this is my problem. This, it was no issue with you. I just thought I had something more important to do. I didn't. How many of you get your list and you got things to do? How many of you got that, you know? And you're going down your list and, and you forget about all these other things because you're doing the list. You got the list. Well, I got a list too. And I forget about those things. And, time, and Pittman, it's about people, not your stinking list. I have to remember that. You are the most important thing. It's not this building. We could have worshipped if those things didn't work. We could have worshipped if this pulpit was a, was a stand. We could have worshipped if this pulpit was a box. And so why am I all stressed out about all the little things here and there? I mean, I, I, I love the logo. Uh, well, there's a secretary we have, uh, Michelle. She made that logo. I really like that logo. And I wanted to highlight the logo. So I don't know how many hours and days I spent on trying to, can you put a light there? Can you do this? Can you get that? Can you get this? Can you, uh, you know, what does it matter? You matter. And Philip had it. Okay, Lord, I'm in, an, uh, I'm in a revival meeting and people all over, uh, lives are being changed, but if you want me to go to the desert where there's nobody, as far as I know, I'm gone. And he up and went. That's the way I want to be. I want to pass out a track to everybody that I can. I want to be a testimony to the people that I can because the Lord says I'm looking for servants, table waiters that are surrendered. They'll give me their best. little story. You might say, well, pastor, I'm surrendered. There was a visiting pastor in Korea. 
he saw a very strange sight. He saw an elderly man and a young man. The young man was holding the plow, and the elderly man was pulling the plow. He was leaning into it and pulling it. And the preacher asked the missionary, he said, what? what's the deal with that? He said, oh, he said, um, at our church, we were taking up an offering. I think it was for missions. And he said, he had nothing to give. Crop hadn't come in yet. They don't have much money. And it hit him. I've got a mule. I'll sell the mule and give the money. And the preacher said, why did you let him do that? That's too much. That mule is everything to him. Now he's got to pull it himself. He can't possibly do it as well. And the missionary looked at him and said, when the Lord asks for something, I'm not going to stand in the way. And he was thrilled to be pulling the yoke. Let me tell you another story. Mark 14, there was a young girl, and she wanted to give something to the Lord that would make a difference to him. Just like the old granddad and his grandson in Korea. I've got, I want to give something to the Lord, but I don't have anything. And this girl looked around her house and said, I got nothing. I've been in those houses. I've been in those mud huts in, in, uh, uh, in Africa and in Brazil and Bolivia and, and New Guinea and, and all over the place. And I, I've seen where you walk through and they've got an earthen stove and a string and, and a change of clothes up there and they're considered wealthy. And she looked around and said, what could I give? He doesn't want my robe. Uh, what can I give? And she sees her box, alabaster box. Her life savings are in it. And she takes that box and says, that's what I'll give him. But that's everything. You can't do that. That's your future. No, he is my future. And she takes that box and she breaks it and pours it on Jesus to let him know, I love you. And the smell permeated the house. And it was worth a year's wages. Judas is sitting over and said, why was this waste made? There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, you're wasting your life if you become a missionary. You're wasting your life if you become the kind of Christian that says, Lord, everything I have is yours, including me. You're wasting your life. You ought to be uh, in, in, in school and getting yourself educated and going ahead and getting a good job and, and going up the ladder, the corporate ladder, and getting a 401K and a, a 403B and a, and a Mercedes. Did you know down there is a Ferrari dealer and down there is a Maserati dealer and up here is a Bentley dealer and, and we're right in the middle and we've got people all over the place that don't need Jesus. Somehow we've got to get them to understand your money is not going to get you to heaven. And so we as Christians say, Lord, here's the best I've got. It's my children. It's me. 
Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's why it should be that 90% of the people in the church are doing the work and 10% are sort of hanging around. It's not 10% doing the work and 90% of the people hanging around. It's surrender. It's, Lord, I'm yours. I'll do anything you want me to do. I want you to go to the desert. I'll go. And he up and went. I am amazed that Mary said, Lord, I want to give you everything. I'll give you my life savings. I don't think the Lord's going to ask anybody in this room to go break your life savings and give it to the Lord. I don't think he's going to do that. He might, but I don't think so. The Lord is interested in preparation. It's all through Scripture. He is interested in saving. It's all through Scripture. But he's also interested in total surrender. And that's what this story is about. Lord, I don't see prejudice. I'll go talk to that, uh, that uh, Syrian. Lord, I, I, I don't see wealth or whatever. I'll go do it, Lord. And, and so, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do. And so Elisha uh, tells Gehazi, I mean, tells uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, person coming and looking. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but he's coming and said, Lord, I, I just, uh, I need to be healed of leprosy. And he heals him. And Gehazi says, hey, give me the money. And Elisha says, what are you thinking? The gifts of God can't be bought. And he sent me away with all of his money. See, the Lord doesn't need our money. He needs you. He needs your heart. Did you know what the last verse of chapter 14 of Mark says about Mary, the woman that broke her alabaster box? Everywhere in the world that this that this story is to be told every time the gospel is said. You know what he's trying to say? The gospel is you need to give Christ your heart and be saved. The gospel of Christ is the good news. But right after that, you tell them, I want all their hearts. I want everything they've got. Total surrender. It's 2024. Will you give him your black box? Will give him your mule? He'll bless you. He'll probably give you more than what you gave him. He promises to be extra good to us. He looked at Abraham, Genesis 12, and said, Get up and go to a land that I will show thee. And he did. He got up. And he went to a land expecting the Lord to show him. Probably none of us would do that. But that's what the Lord wants. Lord, I'm totally yours. Today, are you totally his? Philip was, and God used him mightily. And God will use you, even if you're a table waiter. Are you totally his? Is 2024 going to be your greatest year? My prayer is it is. Let's bow our heads for the prayer. I'm going to ask the penis to come and play a verse. I just remind you, Christians don't quit. They don't retire. Well, you might retire from work, but you keep serving the Lord. My encouragement to you today is give it all. Give your heart to the Lord. So, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Lord, if you want me to change my attitude, I'll do it. I'll be happy to do it because I love you.
We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to sing. Maybe you're here today and you need to join our church. I encourage you to do that. More importantly than that, maybe you need to come and you need to trust Christ as your Savior and get eternal life settled. And maybe you're here today, and folks, listen, I'll let you understand that you've got to make a decision. Are you going to decide, uh, I'll do anything you want, Lord. Could I get you to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, 2024, I'm all yours. I surrender all. That's the song we're about ready to sing. All to Jesus, I surrender. Maybe you need to come to this altar. You know, he said, pick up your cross daily. You may have to surrender uh, every day. That's okay. But Lord, I just want to remind you, I'm all yours. Father, speak to hearts today. Help us to be willing to give you everything. Help us to learn the lesson Mary was teaching us. In your name we pray. Amen.